KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company. Schleider Painting, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. Good morning, good Saturday, beautiful weather day. It's hot, warm, and oh, it's not? Oh, yeah. Did you notice the steam coming up on the water bodies this morning, the river? Yeah, it's chilly a little bit. We're, uh, you know, it is fall in the Midwest, five-state area. Good morning. This is Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, for two hours today. All phone lines wide open, ready and waiting for you. Phones are 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. You are the topic today. No guests in studio. It is you and me, mano a mano, right here on University of Camo X. Uh, again, I would like you to call in with any issues you have around your home. I promise to do my very best to help you in any way that I can. Think of me as having a whole lot of experience which means I've made all these mistakes before. Yeah, experience, think of me as pre-disastered. Yeah, I've messed this stuff all before, and those that have messed up for me, I've learned from those as well. I spend a good bit of time traveling the country trying to find people that are willing to share their knowledge and experience with me. I love that. I love to learn, and, you know, frankly, if I can keep uh, my tires out of the mud, stay between the lines, and get it right, if you will, it helps me as well as all my coworkers at Mosby Building Arts. We are in our 70-plus year of business, founded in 1947 by my father, Sam Mosby. I've been on KMOX for 22 years. I really enjoy this time, look forward to it every Saturday, and look forward to talking to all my friends here, some 30 to 50,000 of you every morning. Yeah, every set. It's kind of fun, and you are the family of KMOX. 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. The topic this morning is pretty much getting ready for winter. If you haven't noticed, it's kind of time to pay attention to that stuff. I warned you a couple weeks ago when it was something like 93 degrees that I smelled and, you know, getting weather strips, doors, locks, screens, and all that ready to go might be the topic du jour. Uh, today, we're going to get a little bit forward on that. I'm going to ask that you take a walk about it. doesn't have to be today. doesn't have to be now. It could be warmer afternoons uh, during the week if you'd like, but just be aware of what's happening. Just like your personal health, it's important to keep a good pulse and temperature on your home, uh, the place that you live. Make sure the doors and the lock sets work and uh, access freely. Weather strips are adjusted. Deadbolts latch. And most importantly, unlatch. If they are tight and bound or you have to do something special, those might need a little bit of attention either from you as a do-it-yourselfer or if not, then you can call somebody to come in and get that door deadbolt or lock adjusted. Very important in escaping uh, during any kind of a fire or emergency event. Also keep those walkway areas clear and free both inside your home and outside your home if for any reason you would have to call for emergency assistance for 
first responders, uh, firefighters, paramedics, police, all those guys need to come in and out. So those men and women that serve us so well, uh, think of them a little bit. Uh, you know, if they're navigating uh, your home in any kind of an unattended, you're, you know, not there or whatever, uh, make it easy on them. Lighting outdoors for security, very important. Lighting outdoors, uh, lighting for guests, postal uh, carriers, uh, anybody who might visit your yard, your home, uh, front door, whatever, that's important. Also, the landscaping and strategy around the exterior of your home, having big bushes close to your home that has a room for a bad guy to get behind, uh, you know, those are kind of places where they can not be seen from the street. And normal uh, drivers, passers-by, neighbors, police, all the emergency services, you know, that thwarts their efforts because they're out patrolling and making sure things are uh, ship-shape. And your landscaping, your plans, your uh, landscape lighting at night or uh, just may, may be just your front porch light. Uh, leave those on a little bit uh, during those hours. Uh, but again, as we walk around the outside of the home, doors and windows are important. Take a peek up on your roof uh, and see if there's any sticks, debris, anything happening. Pay particular attention. Anything might be growing in your gutters uh, and we can talk about that because leaf season is upon us I don't know if you've noticed a little more color just peeking out every here and there but with the wet season and now the dry Mike Miller was commenting this morning of how dry it's been for the last month it will hasten those leaves to turn and change and drop and by golly I think all of them drop into gutters they just wait and they just beeline for those gutters so keep your gutters clean downspouts just be aware uh, have somebody come by and clean that or get some screens or leaf hoods or something on the gutters to keep you off the roof it's very important uh, as you go around take a look at the roof look at your chimney top of the chimney if you have bricks or masonry on that pay particular attention one of the things I carry and my cohorts at Mosby uh, are really just uh, you know an iPhone or a phone can zoom in and take a look at it you can use that that as a kind of a um, looking glass, if you will. Uh, likewise, uh, binoculars are healthy if any of you have those around the home. Take a look up there and really give it a good once over. You don't have to get up on the roof to inspect this stuff. Just be aware that if there's any mortar loose or moving, any white patchy, splotchy areas, efflorescence, something like that indicates water getting in and behind the brick, uh, carrying with it some of those salts and minerals out, and that's the white powder you see. It's an indication of water movement from the inside to the out. Phone lines 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120-800-925-1120. This is Scott Mosby, University of KMOX. We're going to have a two-hour show. It is all about you. Uh, we will talk about various things as well as, uh, you know, just how to manage. Uh, we'll get into a kitchen and bathroom. Which do you do first if you've purchased a new home or you've been there 20, 30, 40 years and it's time to really pay attention? What is the most noticeable? Um, and a hint, kind of a clue to you, what gets your attention multiple times during the day? Uh, and that will likely also contribute to guests uh, visiting the home. Be aware around the decks, doors, steps, handrails, lighting, as I mentioned. Uh, all those things we'll talk about here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleter Painting. 314-436-7900 puts us together on the CamWex phone line, 314 
800-925-1120. Toll free, 800-925-1120. When we come back, we're going to get right to the phone lines and talk to you right after this on KMOX. Now back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, welcome back. Home Improvement, beautiful Saturday, middle of the country, University of Camoex, Scott Mosby at the helm. Phone lines open for you, 314-436-7900, Up first today is Harry. Harry, good morning. How are you this fine Saturday? I'm fine, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Yes. Uh, not the subject of the day, but uh, for the past couple of weeks, I've noticed sewer gas uh, odor emanating from my shower drain. Uh, I've checked the trap in the basement. It's not leaking, so the trap should still have water in it. Uh, I just wonder if there are some other uh, things, such as another bathroom or a sink, that would be causing a vacuum that maybe is sucking the water out of that trap. It can, Harry. Actually, pretty sharp uh, question right there. Uh, Have you replaced with any uh, high-pressure or high-performance toilets in the last couple of years? No. No. Okay, unlikely than that, but there are toilets that create such a velocity that if you're undervented or you have waste piping that um, you know hasn't been changed in the last 20 years, then uh, there are situations where adjacent bathrooms you flush one toilet and it can actually draw the bowl dry in the adjacent bathroom because okay. we pipe it differently today. Uh, but I suspect, Harry, it may be just a buildup of residue on the side. Think of it as the disposal in the kitchen sink. Uh, all that stuff, uh, oils and such, goes down the drain. Uh, you might consider just giving it a good scrubbing. And when I say that, kind of like a bottle brush, if you will, on mm-hmm. the sides of those vertical, because on some of those P-traps, they could be 8 or 10 inches down vertically, which makes them very easy to service. But you wind up with a standpipe of 8 or 10 inches that can actually be odorous above the water pocket that's kept in that trap so you know sometimes give that a scrub clearing off any kind of residue give it a good bleach Uh, and I have been involved in one 10 or 12 years ago that by golly we danced with this thing for a year and never quite figured it out that uh, you know I mean it it just uh, had a terrible sulfurous smell yeah so well, maybe that's a good idea. The uh, trap is about a foot below the uh, surface of the uh, of the drain in the uh, in the shower stall. Yeah, you can have quite a quite a buildup of you know organic residue. I mean, if you just think of washing your face, you know, every day, you know, and then you think about all of that, a whole body's worth of body oils. You know, that stuff can get pretty aromatic after you know several decades. Okay. That's yeah, where yeah. I'll start. Thanks so much. Give it a run, Harry. Also, bleach it a couple of times because sometimes you can get a uh, kind of a little culture going on, even though you might have those pipes clean and clear. So don't be above giving it a good shock value like a good swimming pool shock. Okay. Thanks a bunch. All right. Thanks for the call, Harry. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye now. 
Home improvements got Mosby KMOX so much to talk about. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Today going on right now is a seminar on bathrooms. Uh, it is out at Top Golf right now, uh, sponsored by Mosby Building Arts or Right Bath, part of that as well. Uh, different types of bathrooms, and we talked about really where do you start first? Uh, how do you know what the first thing is? Well, it depends on what bottom you the most. Uh, If you're a cook, uh, the appliances tend to indicate when things need some attention, when the uh, appliances start to go. And when I think about appliances, think of those electronic computer type machines. Those things are complex. So 20 years, think about computers 20 years ago. Now think about what appliances and technology in that electronic type appliance you know, world could be. Uh, Appliances are phenomenal. And I'll warn you, uh, don't, uh, guys, if you go, I I have a very good friend, a client of ours that became very good friends. uh, And, you know, he he said, there's just no possible way we can spend this much, you know, in these allowances. It's just too high. He says, nobody would buy, well, he double spent those appliances because we're gadget guys. He went to the kitchen supply place and they looked at it, went through one of those cooking seminars. My goodness, he bought some whiz bang appliances that were phenomenal and they love them. To this day, they love them. Um, he apologized, said, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, he says, I, you know, I didn't know that, you know, you could set these appliances and, you know, have them ready and cooking and doing whatever. Well, that's been some time. Now with all the Wi-Fi, Internet, uh, Internet of Things, how online it is, my golly, uh, you can actually read your uh, recipes on the face of your refrigerator, your microwave, because now they're LCD LCD uh, screens, so you can look up on the internet all the things you need to do oftentimes we're now seeing families that used to have the written calendar on the wall and then that went to a almost like a business type family calendar on the uh, smartphones now those online family calendars take billy to soccer practice is on the face of the refrigerator. Go figure. A three one four four three six seven nine hundred four three six seven nine hundred toll free eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Uh, uh, do we have a caller here? Uh, 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 it looks like we've got something cooking up here. Um, so we'll see what's happening. Uh, let's see what's happening with Jim. Hey Jim, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can we help, sir? Yes, uh, we are replacing a fence, some fencing that is uh, held up by cedar post, and I was just wondering if the new cedar post need to be treated with anything before they go down into the ground, and should they be around rock, or should they be concreted in, something like that. Well, Jim, my opinion is they shouldn't be cedar posts. Uh, anything oh, really? buried below grade should be a treated 4x4, four four. and I'll warn you, they are not nearly as friendly, pretty, or um, nice to look at uh, as the cedar post, but they are not suitable for below-grade application, and frankly, treated lumber or womanized, as you've uh, heard, and, and now some of the cero or copper-treated uh, underground stuff, that's what belongs, and you can put it into uh, usually crushed stone. Uh, we like to put it in with a half-inch minus crushed limestone. It's kind of a low-grade okay. concrete. It'll set up, but it's not like concrete to where you can't repack it later on. 
I got you. Does that make okay. sense to you? So yes, I mean, it does, yeah. Yeah, and typically when you get all the cedar, you know, horizontals and the vertical slats and everything around it, you know, I defy you to really see, even if you don't stain it, uh, the difference, because you'll see the green and then the brown and the cedar, the difference for the first year after the first year, Jim, by golly, it, it just won't even be visible to you. And 30 years later, those posts will be good. You may replace your fence a couple more times without replacing and removing those 4 by 4 posts. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call. Thanks, Jim. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Uh, and another thing, a little bit of history there. Uh, I might be dating myself. Uh, when I first got into the carpentry trade many years ago, uh, my father taught me, and we were putting uh, creosote. Um, he, he carried uh, corks in his toolbox. And I wondered what, you know, Dad, what do you have a cork for? Uh, you know, what, what do you do with that? Well, he would drill up from the bottom of a post, and we would put in redwood or cedar posts, uh, you know, the best rot-resistant wood we had at the time, and would, you know, drill it 18 inches up from the bottom, turn the post upside down, fill it up with creosote, paint it on the outside, try and soak it in the best you can, leave it in five-gallon buckets. But he'd fill this up, and he'd stick a cork in the bottom of it, and that how they, kind of an old-world, low-tech, high-tech version of treating a 4x4 for below-grade application. And typically it would be for a porch step or railing deck, that type of thing as well. Uh, for, the, for those of you buying homes, even now it's possible you can find some homes where the floor joists, extend out uh, on homes that were built in the 1970s and 80s. Um, many home builders just extended out the normal white wood untreated floor joists from the inside of the house out and they might have a balcony or a deck. Well that untreated wood really will rot especially on the top where the decking say two by sixing two by six decking was applied something like that whatever would stay wet. So if you're buying a home, uh, and uh, you know, I really urge you to get a home inspector, a good ASHI, A-S-H-I, American Society of Home Inspectors, somebody to come in with really good experience, take a look around. Um, oftentimes when we have clients that are buying homes, we have the ASHI home inspector uh, come, and we go along as well because it typically involves some sort of future. Maybe they're doing a kitchen or a bathroom or siding or getting whatever done. But hearing and having a conversation firsthand is kind of fun for us because we're two eyes, three eyes, four eyes, you know, sets of eyes is better than one. Uh, but be aware that you can have untreated floor joists on a deck extending out from a house and have some serious rot problems because that um, uh, uh, growth or water solubility, the wood rotting from the outside will extend to the inside and can indeed and oftentimes does threaten the structural abilities of those floor joists because it rots right on top of the foundation because the water will come in around that siding not necessarily being buttoned up the right way. Anyway, important on KMOX to talk about these things. Phone lines are open for you, 314-436-7900, 436-7900, Phone lines always open for you. Here on KMOX, we're going to take a short break. Come right back for more on University of KMOX. My name is Scott Mosby. Bling. 
Now back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, phone lines 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120, We are talking about security as well as what are the appropriate orders of doing things to the outside. Number one, uh, get the outside buttoned up. Uh, I, we've been involved so many times where people want a, a very nice kitchen in Inside the home, but the roof is literally, you know, months and days away from leaking. Uh, get the get the outside buttoned up and protect that environment so that your investment in that kitchen stays sound. Uh, kitchen and bath kind of depends uh, what matters, but uh, uh, primarily in cooking, food preparation, the appliances tend to demand that kitchens or at least appliances and countertops get involved. Now, the issue with appliances when you change appliances, some of those appliances those of you that will have uh, 30 inch wide or 36 inch wide cooktops you have to buy the same size and the issue is not every brand has the same exact size and shape cutout so you could buy a cooktop that you know when you install it you know the the hole could be too big or too small you may need to cut the opening for that cooktop also in some of those 24 inch wide ovens very narrow ovens uh, they're a little bit too small, if you will, but uh, um, they are not really too widely available. A 27 or a 30 inch wide oven, both of those better take a full size turkey or roast, and they're more common and popular in today's worlds. But many, many, many 24 inch wide and twin double ovens, uh, 24 inches wide, were installed because, you know, they take up a lot less room. They don't function quite so well, but they take up a lot less room. Uh, anyway, let's uh, see what's cooking with our friend Lewis. Lewis, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can we help you? I'm uh, redoing my deck out in High Hill, Missouri, and I'm trying to figure out how I can get a three-quarter inch to an inch and a quarter overhang using two-by-sixes when my riser's uh, seven-inch and my tread is 11-inch. It does, just doesn't... And I'm also using a... A one by six has a kick plate, so it just doesn't add up to me. Everything comes out even about. Uh, run me through this again here. You've got a seven inch rise and a ten and three quarter, eleven inch tread run. Uh huh. Now your cut on your stringer, if your treads are eleven, the horizontal cut on your stringer will be approximately ten. Now are you are you using one by risers as well? Yeah, one by risers, uh, one by sixes. Because the uh, yeah the up up part is seven inches, right, right. Well, your seven remains, so you will put your risers on first, effectively, and those I just like to tack in. Uh, right. But your tread, if it's an eleven-inch tread, it will be eleven, and and you don't need an inch and a quarter run uh, or or nosing or overhang. I would go with a one-inch, but you're going to have an inch plus the three-quarter thickness of your one-by-riser, so you're an inch and three-quarter from 11. So basically, you're cutting a, what is that, nine-and-a-quarter-inch run on your stringer? Well, I'm using uh, two-by-sixes as the uh, as the, the stairs, the tread stairs. So it's two-by-six, which is actually uh, only five-and-a-half inches wide, right? 
Yeah, well, you're going to have a quarter. I, I typically squeeze those down, no half-inch joints, so I'll put a 16-penny nail or a big screw in between. So generally, you're still 5.5 plus 5.5 plus a quarter, roughly. So you're 11 and a quarter minus your 1-inch overhang, so you're 10 and a quarter minus the thickness or depth of your 1-by riser. So, you know, you're now, what, uh, 9 and... Uh, nine and well, ten and a quarter and three quarter for the riser is how thick it is, so that's right at eleven. So, no, no, wait a minute. Eleven inches is your wood. Eleven and a quarter. You you have a space in between there. Just one. You have five and a half plus quarter inch space plus five and a half. You follow me so far here, Lewis? Uh, actually, I'm I'm not sure where the quarter inch is coming from. The airspace in between those two one-by-sixes. Oh, okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. If you put them in tight together, they'll rot, and uh, even if you stain them, the stain will fall off so fastly, so fast because it just stays wet all the time. So your right. wood tread is uh, 11 and a quarter. The overhang is one inch, so 11 and a quarter minus an inch is 10 and a quarter. And then you've got your one by riser. That's three quarters. So nine and a half is the uh, run or horizontal cut on your stringer or the board that holds up the steps. So you follow what I'm doing? So when you're using your uh -huh. big... Yeah. So it's a nine and a half run and a seven inch rise. Okay. You follow so that? If I put two, yeah, if I put two, uh, two by sixes, then I should have a little bit of an overhang. Should have a one inch. So I'm all I'm doing is doing the math on that horizontal tread space, Lewis. You know, and this is just you know, it's, you're not doing anything that experienced carpenters don't either. It's we just have to do the math if we've got and watch out for your one by sixes because sometimes those critters are five and three eighths. So you might have five and three eighths plus that airspace between the two boards. You know, I'm, well, I've already put these stairs, this 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 uh, stair the deck, the stairs to the deck together, and it's all coming even at the ends. And so what I'm doing is I'm going to went and bought two by eights, and I'm going to take one of the two by sixes off and put a two by eight up against that, so that I can actually have what is going to be a, an inch and a quarter overhang. But my my next yeah, question yeah, is: that is, it works okay fine. Just, is it okay just to have it with no overhang? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit uncomfortable. The problem is if your one by six, if your riser warps a little bit, uh, it looks a little weird. It, you know, you'll always That's look what at. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Ideally, you want uh, a half inch overhang um, to an inch because there are a lot of things that happen between that riser and that tread warping, you know, shifting, changing, and all of that. So you're asking good right. questions, Lewis. This isn't anything we don't deal with on the job site every day. I appreciate your time. You bet. Good luck, brother. Thanks. All right, Lewis, uh, helping him out a little bit. There we go with the DIY. Uh, I, I enjoy this. Uh, this is how I learned as well. Uh, if you want to know what my world is at Mosby Building Arts, this is kind of what I do in terms of uh, training. We do have uh, cub carpenters or that's, you know, beginners, uh, you know, apprentices that really haven't learned the full trade yet. Uh, and those are supervised. And sometimes when we've got uh, production things, you know, the carpenters need to keep busy and 
that's kind of what I do sometimes. Uh, phone lines are wide open for you here. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you're into it or you know somebody that's into it, uh, finishing a basement, a deck, a bathroom, whatever, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, bring it on right here. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you know a new home uh, owner, somebody that just really bought their first home, uh, surely there won't be too much time before they have questions about how do I adjust this lock? Why does this deadbolt not move? My door doesn't line up. How do I adjust the door inside the opening? What is the threshold? How do I adjust that threshold? Uh, And then when we get further up the food chain for folks that have been in their homes for a while, okay, the bathroom is getting a little bit tired. Kitchen's a little bit tired. uh, Or siding, the outside. What do I really want this house to look like and feel like? Uh, And I put a good bit of research into this in previous years. Uh, The appearance of the home or curb appeal, if you will, for a uh, somebody driving by and this gets to what is the value of the home how pretty is it from the curb how how uh, appealing uh, both to someone who might value uh, or buy the house likewise to you and I who live in those homes what is the feeling of home that we get into uh, so uh, uh, you know it's, it's very important then um, uh, let's see what's happening here uh, with uh, caller number one uh, from Riverview Missouri good morning how can I help you here on KMOX Ron what's up with you or what's up with you here Ronald hello yes sir Ron you're on KMOX yeah I got a putting in a tub and and uh, tile. Yeah. I'm going to put door, door rock in, and it's got a vertical lip on the tub around it. Do yeah. I put the uh, door rock on top of that or over that? No, you put that typically. Um, uh, I typically will groove out personally. I'll groove out the back of that Duroc uh, almost in a dado. But that's me personally. But the Duroc oftentimes is put on the top of that flange and then the tile or whatever the surface drops all the way down. Before that tile gets installed, that Duroc gets totally caulked so that your water seal is effective without the water barrier. So there are two ways to do it. I'm a little bit um, uh, wired pretty tightly, so I like to dado mine back out with the backside of a a carbide tip blade. Um, Most of the time in the industry, that um, Duroc sits tightly, not a jagged cut, but smooth and tight down on top of that lip, and then the tile comes down to the tub deck. You follow that? Thank you. Yeah, I got it. And, and remember, oh, caulk, the, caulk the bejeebas out of that thing because uh, make sure it's watertight before you put your tile on. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe just putting the uh, the tape, the mesh tape for the door rock. Where you can I just put the mesh tape over that or down to uh, the tub lip or? Uh, I would caulk it first and then mesh tape that thing. You can't be too watertight because, uh, uh, you know, when NASA sends something into outer space, they have triple and quadruple redundant safety systems. When you get to all of this work you're putting into this bathtub, uh, golly, a little bit of water and one little mistake can cause you to tear it all out in a couple of years. So an extra few hours now can buy you a whole lot of insurance at a very, very uh, critical time. So caulk it and then tape it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, it, thanks. Yeah, if you're ever worried about it, uh, do more, do more, and then go beyond that, and you'll have water pretty much settled. Hey, yeah, very good. Hey, thanks a lot. All right, Ron. Thanks for the call. Take care. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, we're going to take a short pause for more and come back to our phone lines right here on University of KMOX here on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. 
Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby back together here. Phone lines 314 436 925 1120 It's getting to be beautiful weather. It is just banner fantastic weather in the Midwest here. I, I kind of like the chilliness. It uh, feels great. Maybe you're enjoying it too. Uh, let's see what's happening with my friend Norma. Norma, good morning. Welcome to CamWex. How can we help? Okay, Scott, I need to get a new roof on my house, and I'm do- I'm a widow, and I'm doing this by myself, <clears throat> and I'm just scared to death that somebody's going to put on a terrible roof. I want to get uh, an architectural roof, I think. My roof has a pretty good pitch to it, and in the back of my house, I have a porch that was added on years ago, and that has always had rolled roofing on it instead of shingles. Okay. Should I continue to get the rolled roofing on the flat porch, or should shingles go on that, or what? Uh, both. Uh, primarily, it has to be a rolled roof. Uh, depending on how flat your uh, uh, roof is on that porch, usually they get some sort of a rolled roof. There is a way, if you get up to a 2 and 12, and I know I'm using numbers that are you know, kind of funny here. If it gets too flat, you can effectively roof it with a flat material, material with an ice and water shield, if you will, and then mm-hmm. nail shingles down over the top of that. Uh, the ice and water shield tends to, sh- to seal those shafts of the nails, but you still need a good bit of pitch. My advice mm-hmm. is it would be a roll roof or a rubber roof or something suitable for a, quote, low pitch or flat roof. So uh, okay. I, I wouldn't go to the effort, uh, certainly if you're by yourself. Uh, if you can't see the top of the roof, don't put shingles on it, but definitely have that flat rolled roof and talk about okay. uh, how many inches, you know, are they going to half lap it like a 36-inch wide? Normally, roll roofs three feet wide, and they, they lap it either four inches or six inches or eight. Your okay. years uh, has to do with how much you lap it. If you half lap, it's an 18-inch lap, and you pretty much have a double roof on that thing all the okay. time. Okay. And then also, if I want to get leaf guard or gutter guard or something like that, should that come after the roof or or before the roof or when? Uh, ideally, both about the same time. Uh, typically, same time. when we do a roof at Mosby and we're doing leaf guard, uh, we start with all of it up front and before anybody does any work. We have a powwow, kind of like a quarterback huddle in a football game and ah, talk about who idea. needs what. You see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yes. a picture's worth a thousand words and agreement is yes. what makes the ball move forward. Yes, okay. And then I also want to ask a question about siding. I did ask you before about painting or not painting siding, and you and you said don't paint it. And uh, so if I would get new siding on my house, what is an economical type of siding to get? Right now it has vinyl siding on it. Uh, vinyl is typically one of the more economical sidings, uh, and, mm-hmm. and sidings not created equal. You've got this, you know, vinyl, and then you've got thicker vinyl, and then you've got this kind of look, and this, and they get more complex with their manufacturing right. thickness and all of that. But yeah. if you're going to do siding, roofing, and gutters, that's a perfect trifecta. The only thing, I, if you're going to do that, I would have a, some sort of an orchestra conductor, kind of a general contractor, to get these together. Because if the siding guy doesn't do it right, it won't set up right for the roof the roof and the siding and the flashing get together so i'd I'd love you know if you're putting up the whole if you're going to pay for the whole orchestra get an orchestra conductor (laughs) yeah that sounds good and then one other question we had some hailstorms this summer and i'm i'm sure i might have some kind of hail damage is it too late for me to have an insurance person come 
and check that and see if I could get some money for the roof, or is that not right to do that, or how does that work? Well, I've never had a- one claim on my homeowner's insurance in 40 years. Well, you're going to be popular with the insurance company. Start with the contractor. Pick your contractor. Pick your orchestra conductor first because they can navigate all that. If you have uh, hail damage, they'll know how to handle this and, you know, navigate. If you have an insurance adjuster come out, they mark that as a mini claim. Even though your roof may not be, you know, uh, replaced and it may not be damaged, they kind of ding you for that. So you're better Uh off having the contractor come out. And that's why all the... You know, but you need to pick the guy that, you know, really has all of your interest because the sequence of those events and they don't, you know, the roofer guy isn't, you know, he's not done. He comes back a little bit here throughout the job on a properly executed job. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much for your advice. I love listening to the program. All right, Norma. And, you know, it's good old common sense. This is just Midwestern horse sense. Well, like Will Rogers used to say, common sense is not so common. (laughs) I love that. That's one of my favorite sayings. (laughs) Oh, it lives in our construction industry for sure. Oh, man. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks, Norma. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, CamoX. I got into it a little bit here. Uh, It was kind of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, But we had a question about Duroc. For those of you that don't quite get that, Duroc is the cement board. It's a brand name of the cement board. And if you remember the tile, the old mud set tile that was really stuck on top of uh, uh, pretty much an inch and a half of of cement or three quarters of an inch of cement um, in a tile and some of the floor, bathroom floor, and such. Duroc is kind of our recent version of that where it's a three-quarter inch substrate where that board goes on first and it's it's a hunk of concrete basically. It's a fiber reinforced pre-poured pre-formed almost like plywood but it's made out of cement and they're coming three three by five sheets that sort of thing. Uh, So anyway Ron was asking me how far down on the tub lip because if you have a bathtub or a shower base there's a vertical flat flange where you're you're looking at the tub deck that's flat going into the wall well if it's behind that wall there's a metal flange or a fiberglass flange or acrylic whatever your material is that goes vertically up about a half an inch and then your duroc or the cement board or the old school mud you know screeded um, plaster wall would come down to that so that there really isn't any big gap and bathtubs are notoriously out of level newsflash they're out of level so that duroc has to cut at an angle uh, and you know if you're blowing and going and not paying attention to you know quality you don't angle that duroc so I had a good conversation with Ron of how that's properly installed stay tuned for more Cam Wex Home Improvement up next